0: Welcome everyone to Dabu's Fingers episode 49, Blood and Bone. I'm Scatty, we have with us Brooke and Matt as always.
1: Hey! Hello!
0: And today we will be covering Sam 5, John 12, Sansa 7, and Epilogue. Who's Epilogue?
2: Oh, Epilogue!
0: (laughs) The last chapter of A Storm of Swords, guys, it's here. We are going to wrap up book three on tonight's cast. That's chapter 78 to 81 of A Storm of Swords, according to a wiki of Ice and Fire. Now, these are the last chapters in A Storm of Swords, but uh, those members of our Kalasar that have been with us for a while know that we, we frequently do these, well, frequently, we've done them twice, wrap-up episodes for each book. And we will be doing one for this book. And it will be not only our traditional end-of-book end of wrap-up, but also our 50th episode! Yeah! Holy crap. Yeah, the Three Stooges have made it to 50 episodes, and uh, so we're gonna do something a little bit special. Uh, this uh, wrap-up episode for Storm of Swords will feature our Davos Finger staple of trivia. It's going to feature a couple new things that we're gonna try out as well. Some people gave, sent in some ideas that we're, uh, we're, uh, we're gonna throw together and and, and use, so uh, we're going to be doing some top fives lists, and uh, if you follow us on social media of any play, in any place, Facebook or Twitter, uh, or if you're listening here, you can send them in via email or contact us in either of those places, uh, we will be taking suggestions for top fives. Your top five cooks in Westeros, your top five dresses in Westeros, uh, Matt and I like the one-breasted dress. Uh, top five, lots of different lists. Whatever you want. Whatever you want us to talk about, top five lists. Uh, we're going to do several of those. Uh, and then we're going to try something also that we are calling the Red Wedding Reach Around. And uh, this is a spin on something that one of our listeners, Mitchell, suggested in email, uh, wherein we give a different perspective on a given chapter or occurrence. So the idea is we're going to go back to the Red Wedding, And try to look at it from the perspective of several different characters, uh, kind of as we go through the scene. I think it's going to be fun. We don't have it, like, totally figured out yet, but uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, that's the plan for the wrap-up episode. Do you guys got anything to add to that?
1: No, it's going to be great.
0: Okay, so uh, that's it. So, okay, so getting back to the podcast. Uh, These are some things we always say. We're spoiler-free until the end of the podcast. We will have Davos After Dark like we always do at the end of the podcast at which point we'll get all spoilering and stuff, but we will warn you, so you can listen along to your heart's content until that point if you want to avoid spoilers, jump off. Now, if you want to contact us, please do. Uh, as we mentioned, we use the contacts. Uh, we love the ideas you guys send uh, for different, various things. Uh, we can be reached at davosfingers.com. That's our Tumblr site. Email wearedavosfingers at gmail.com, Twitter at davosfingers, or you can find us on the old Facebook by just searching for Davos Fingers. And I think... That is all. We don't have anything else for
2: announcements. Can I can I just bring something up real quick? Uh yeah. Uh so our friend Sarah on Twitter, did you guys see the, the picture she drew for us of the Jews brothers? Yes. Hilarious. <laughs> yes. So listeners, our friend Sarah on Twitter uh sent us a picture of a sketch that she actually did of what she's calling the jews brothers j-u-e-s if you listen to our last episode you know what we're talking about that was me trying to say blues and jazz together i almost just said blast (laughs) uh and so it's stannis and john drawn as the blues brothers and stannis is saying i should have been king and john is saying i'm a bastard and uh just the combination of different things that we discussed during the episode the attention to detail i just haven't stopped laughing about it since so i just how wanted to say hilarious. thanks
0: it was awesome yeah. to share. there was also one i don't know whether it was directly done from our podcast or not but i saw one floating around i think on our twitter of uh, somebody that drew aria and this the stabbing of the uh, how many how many how many how many did you see that one floating around well, that was awesome yeah that's too. some that's a that's, piece of art that's been out for a it's while Been out for a while okay yeah. cool mm-hmm. still i loved it uh whoever that is it, it's gruesome yes
2: well just like her face just yes. like that yes it's anger. feral yeah. yeah
0: all right uh good catch thank you matt well it is it is brooke's episode my chapter brooke you have anything no
2: go for sam
0: going for sam
2: you don't think that you belong here, but boy, let me tell you, you do Samuel Tarley, they can hardly keep your dreams from coming true Slaying things that'll make the bravest shiver Time and time again, boy, you deliver Slaying, fighting, reading, and writing Samuel boy, this world was made for you All brothers
0: receiving votes to be new Lord Commander of the Night's Watch are summoned before Stannis the one true king of Westeros, along with Maester Aemon and Sam, of course, to be his his guiding, guiding eyes. Stannis isn't pleased with the Night's Watch and their inability to to elect a new Lord Commander. So I refuse to call him Lord Jonos Slint, Wastes no time in licking his boots, playing with his balls, whatever he thinks will work to try to make Stannis feel a little better uh, when he sees Stannis is displeased. But as you might expect, Stannis can't be bothered with this flattery. He instead sets his tone. Why haven't you selected a new lord commander? Jono still doesn't get the hint, falling at the king's feet to suggest that Stannis guide them in their choice. But the others, other brothers will not hear of it. Thousands of years of old, old tradition of selecting their own leader. It's their own duty to select their leader. They don't take part in the, the ideas and, and problems of the real world and the real world has no place uh, taking part in their affairs either. Basically, it's a cacophony of brothers yelling at each other about how they can't allow help from, from the outside. Stannis stops the jabbering, though, indicating that he doesn't want to get in their way, but he has a war to fight and needs a Lord Commander to aid in some things that he needs from them. Namely, Stannis wants the gift, the huge tracts of land given to the Night's Watch eons ago by Bran and the Builder, And he wants their unmanned castles along the wall. You'll remember that there are, I think, it's 17, and the Night's Watch is only currently manning three. Castle Black, uh, East uh, East Watch, and uh, uh, what's the other one called? East Watch by the Sea, and uh, Shadow Tower. Tower. Uh, So he wants the rest of them. They all protest these ideas, you know, just like any time somebody's trying to take something from you, but he's got a point. They aren't doing shit with this stuff right now. And they have a redonkulous enemy coming. They might need men on the walls and in those castles. Stannis says he's going to rebuild them and fortify them within the year. And, oh yeah, night fires, guys. Light them up. Mel says they'll help and she's doing me. So this is a thing now. We're doing night fires. They're all stupefied. So Amon changes the subject. If this is the war for Dawn you speak of, then where is Azor Ahai? Mel says, he stands before you, and Stannis grinds his teeth. All are excused from the meeting, save Sam and Amon. Stannis inquires about Sam's dispatching of the other. Mel hears them talk about dragonglass, and she lights up, noting that it is, dragonglass Dragonglass's is frozen fire. It makes sense that it would harm the others, these ice-based uh, foes. Stannis, though, is the one that offers something useful. Dragonstone is full of dragonglass, of obsidian, and they're already mining it. Stannis commands Sam to show him where the black gate is at some appropriate time. That seems to be kind of all Stannis' point was about this whole thing, is, hey, Sam, you're going to show me where this black gate is so I can get through the wall if I need to. Before being dismissed, though, Aemon asks to see Lightbringer. And I will just read you what he saw. It glows, said Sam in a hushed voice, as if it were on fire. There are no flames, but the steel is yellow and red and orange, all flashing and glimmering, like sunshine on water, but prettier. I wish you could see it, Maester. Satisfied with that description, Amon starts to leave, but Stannis repeats his threat. Pick a new Lord Commander tonight, or I will do it for you. As Sam and Amon cross the yard, Amon speaks the doubts we've all been harboring about Lightbringer, and as he dismisses Sam... Indicates that while he, a sworn maester, couldn't do anything to influence the upcoming vote for Lord Commander. Perhaps Sam could. Sam thinks he knows what he has to do when he sets off. To Cotter Pike first, a scary, gruff man. But Sam the Coward no longer exists. He tries to convince Pike to support Malister in the vote. Pike won't have it, though. Malister's too old. He's not a fighter. He's not strong enough. He's too courteous. Pike doesn't really want the job, but he wa- doesn't want it to fall in bad hands even more. And he thinks that Malister's hands wouldn't be, wouldn't be good. Malister is more of the same when Sam goes to visit him. He won't withdraw. Pike doesn't have the grace and nobility to be Lord Commander. He too doesn't crave the position, but the other men are unsuitable, so he must stay in the race. In a bold move, Sam offers Malister John as an alternative. Malister chews on this. It might serve though I'd still be better. And here is perhaps Sam's greatest moment. If we don't choose tonight, he tells Mallister, the king is choosing Pike. He leaves Mallister to think on it. Sam offers Pike the same thing with the inverse threat that Mallister is, is the king's choice, and Sam has created a nice kettle of fish for the night's election festivities. And that is the end of the chapter.
2: Oh, you sneaky little devil, Samwise!
1: Sneaky little Slayer!
2: Sneaky uh, little Slayer!
0: We'll have to, we'll have to find some Slayer song that sounds sneaky. Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, it's,
1: it's not so craven.
2: Not yep. so craven. P-
1: pretty, pretty ballsy. Yeah.
2: Again, we've talked about this before. We only see Sam from himself. Well, now we're seeing him from John's POV, and he just thinks so little of himself. But in reality. He's just such a little stud muffin. Yeah, he's just such a good guy.
1: I think, though, in this chapter, what really bolstered him was uh, Meester Amon being like, Mm -hmm. "Well, I can't do it, but
2: winka winka."
1: Yeah, and and even though he didn't explicitly say, Sam like took him by the shoulders, (laughs) his tiny little withered arms taking Sam's big shoulders, (laughs)
2: like being
1: like. Sam, I believe in you. You can do this. You have the cunning and the courage. He didn't have to. He just he just kind of had to plant the seed, and 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 Sam, you know, has has the in- internal integrity to make that grow. And I loved Germs basically the play of Sam off of Cotter Pike and um, Sir Malister is great because you really get these two distinct personalities like oh, yeah, rough, for sure. rough bastard sailor and hoity, like,
2: perfect Highborne, hair. Yeah,
1: yeah um, kind of, I don't know. I'm
2: yeah. Donald, Donald Sutherland, who is <laughs> yeah. who I have as Dennis Malister in my head. I would, I would, I would say
1: he's... <laughs> if anything, but uh, yeah, Donaldson. Maybe yeah, he's he's very uh, so many ways to dis- describe him as a, a fussy old man. But anyways, so so these these two very strong personalities who are are leaders of of, of you know criminals and other stubborn strong personalities, and and Sam s- stepped up the plate and he. <laughs> He he was the sneaky slayer. It was great.
0: Yeah, he's I loved so it, sweet. so
1: I, I credit <clears throat> Mr. Aon for that.
0: There, there's, a, there's a little interesting piece of subtext going on in there, too. Malister and Pike aren't just very different people. They're essentially they're not just against each other for the reasons that they give in these chapters. They're racists. Malister hates the Ironborn. And the Ironborn hate the Malisters. This is a conflict that goes back. It's, you know, it's like yeah, I don't know if it's course.
2: race as much as it is family. Well, yeah, whatever. It's...
0: I mean, it's uh, well the Ironborn are well. I, I'll get back. Yeah, they're the two different cultures, it but... different cultures. Too much. They're different cultures, and I think they're even descended from different there, people. But they're maybe
1: like classist. Yeah. But
0: the, well, just they're feuded it's... forever. Sure. If you don't like the word racist, well, we can go with classist or culture, culturist or something. They they are families. Phil have...
2: so I like that. I like that one. They've, they've yeah, they feuded
0: forever. Just two families that hate each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they don't. They well... don't. They don't like what they stand for as individuals either. But I don't think they've let go of that uh, that kind of historical thing either. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely and, at the root of it. And I think Sam knows that, and and what he sees is this. You know, he he learns quickly from Pike. This is. This is just impassable from his perspective. It's not just not going to happen. And his, his uh, I called it in my summary, you know, Sam's greatest moment. Th- this is how he can be useful to the Watch, sending him on a ranging. Like, yep, he got lucky and he killed another with that dragon glass. And, you know, what his real value is is noting that it was the dragon glass and not his own heroic feat, which he keeps trying to remind everyone of. But in this case. He's using his head to his advantage. He's manipulating these two people with very different goals. You know, the killing the other was great, but he doesn't like to do that again. This this is mm-hmm. how he can be successful, right? Helping the Night's Watch with his brain. And uh, I don't know. I'm moment. kind
1: of hearing you say that Sam can do anything, and he's amazing at all roles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, stannis says that a lord commander must be chosen because the watch needs a voice in big decisions that are going to be made but i personally think he's just pushing for it because the whole inefficiency of the process just pisses him off like <laughs> this is this is nothing more than stannis being annoyed and being proactive about taking care of that
2: annoyance Yeah, yeah, he's definitely annoyed. But you know, he's also a stickler for rules and stuff. Um, Like Dwight Schrute says, that is the law according to the rules. Uh, (laughs) He's big on that stuff. He knows that he needs to have a guy there who he can just say, okay, I talked to the Lord Commander. And but yeah, he's definitely annoyed at how long this process has taken. Just just get it done. Jeez, it's
1: not that hard. Yeah, it's fantastic, but it like it, it comes across as like as he, he's thinking about the greater good and the bigger picture, but he's not.
2: Oh no, probably not. Just, just he wants what he wants, which yeah. com- some could say is the greater good, but
1: <laughs> some could say that. Yeah.
2: But yeah, know your your joke is I'm not trying to ruin your joke at all because I do think it's just him like finding something to grind his teeth over, uh, in that regard. But what I do love about Stannis. Everyone's pissed off at him for wanting the gift. Everyone's pissed off at him for wanting to garrison the empty castles. But why does he want to do those things? To build his own kingdom or something? No, it's for completely non-selfish purposes. He's mm. all in for this fight against the others. He's all in when the own freaking Night's Watch isn't in. Like, they're sitting there arguing with him about it, and they're the ones that should be <laughs> the, wanting these like, guys on the wall instead. Lighting you know? <laughs> night
1: fires? Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, we're not going to give you our castles! Like, no! And, uh, and, and I love that about... Stannis, and I also, I know is not a popular character, but for all, from what we can see, she's in this too to fight the others. And so it's funny that Stannis and Melisandre are wanting these things, and the very own Night's Watch is fighting against them to achieve that. And and good on Stannis for for having the the, the big picture in mind. Mm -hmm. When the others turn out to be
0: the good guys, we're going to be so fucked with all our narrative. Oh my gosh, there's
2: theories out there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it could happen. Speaking of Melisandre, at the beginning of this chapter, Sam notices her eyeballing him, and I'm wondering if... (laughs) Checking out those curves. I'm wondering if she saw Sam, some part of Sam, maybe part of his meddling, maybe just him as a figure, like in her fires and her visions. Mm -hmm. And if she did, I wonder if she had enough details to know about Sam's meddling, and why she didn't try to stop it since it directly conflicts with Stannis' plans to make Jon a Stark.
0: As usual, I mm, took I a, like. I took a much simpler approach to that whole noticing thing. Uh, I just thought it was because she heard that he was the one that slayed another, and she doesn't know, as much, as much shit as she talks, she doesn't know anything about them, really. And mm. so I just thought she was evaluating him as the person that, Killed the other and trying to get a lead on him
1: <laughs> maybe maybe he's azora high reborn
0: <laughs> maybe yeah maybe <laughs> she's looking for uh any any glowing sword in that fire
2: but yeah she does seem to be saying paying uh, extra attention to john right now and yeah maybe she sees a purpose for him that is against stannis's and so she needs a way to like get that ball rolling on that purpose and she can't do it herself cuz she needs to appear loyal to stannis and everything which she is it appears um so she has sam do it yeah that, that that's plausible mm-hmm. i like both of your explanations
0: so do you guys like the uh, Amon moment with the sword and <laughs> where where if this is the night, the war for the dawn where is Azora high <laughs> like, like this awkward moment where the guys standing right in front of you and uh you bring it up I really hope Pete doesn't show up to this party. And then Pete's like right behind you.
1: Did Pete cry?
0: Oh, uh, well, that's not a that real story. Him? But, uh.
1: Okay. Stannis didn't seem like that perturbed by it. I'm sure.
0: Almost he seemed more like oh, this of, again. Of, Here we
1: go. Yeah. yeah. Melisandra's eyes narrowing, but I imagine her eyes narrowed. It's like, listen, dude, I've taken out older, weaker maesters than you. So yeah.
2: Watch your steps, little dude. It's
0: true. Yeah. No, you're right. Stannis, Stannis was just, I think it notes in there that, that he was grinding his teeth at that moment. Oh, like, yeah. he just doesn't want to hear any of that crap anymore. Mm. Oh, here we go again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. What do you guys think the different colored dragon glass might be for so glad you brought that up I um, know about it too just without getting spoilery just some speculation on on what we already know okay. and to remind listeners at one point Stannis assures uh, the black brothers that there is dragon glass under dragon stone and it's being mined mm. as we speak but guess what it doesn't just come in black it comes in oh, purple red green all these great colors and one i'm having trouble like picturing red like flinty dragon glass yeah Yeah. um but i'm wondering if this is just me speculating if like when you stab an other with the red maybe it makes their eyeballs like explode or something or if you stab them with the green it makes like flowers sprout out of their chests I'm really excited for the possibilities. This is more like saying. Captain
2: Planet type stuff. Yeah, this is <laughs> cool. a little more. Instead <laughs> of rings, you get a certain color of dragon glass. Uh, yeah, I, I was intrigued by it too.
0: I, I, I don't know whether it will do different stuff. In, in my head, I thought, oh, green, red, purple, different colors. Maybe, maybe those are the different colors of dragons that, that have been in the world. And that can paint with all the colors of the wind. But, yeah, mm. right. And the, and that the, their fire maybe is what helped create the obsidian somehow. And depending on which dragon color, oh. I don't know. I mean, it's pure oh, speculation. that's pretty obviously. good. But uh, I don't know that it would have different powers or not or what. But yeah, it sounds yeah. beautiful at least, right, under Dragonstone. In, unless they're those colors are really rare.
1: Yeah, I was trying to associate it with like houses maybe, like the red for Targaryen, hmm. the green for like I don't know.
0: But Dragonstone predates most of those houses, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, but like maybe the houses chose their colors based right. on.
2: The castle well,
0: doesn't. The the, yeah. the island would have though, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. They've been there since the first men. Maybe I'm Uh, looking less
1: for logic and more for like George's thinking.
2: Well, and remember that we're talking about kind of two different potentially types of obsidian. The obsidian that Sam used and that had been supplied to the uh, Night's Watch before was from the Children of the Forest. Um, that's different than the Targaryens or stuff that's potentially hid beneath Dragonstone. That's Wait, not to say that the art different fun? that that obsidian could be though somehow influenced by like you said Scott dragons or something. Um, dragon fire, I don't know. Mm. But there could like I said it could potentially be a difference between the two of them. It's oh, not see. to say there is uh, but there could be. I see. Well, I hadn't even thought of that. Or it could just go back far enough. There was all the Children of the Forest before, so it could just go clear back to them, and that was just what they had. Been. I don't know.
1: Do you guys want to wrap up this chapter? Because like the John chapter following this
2: kind of like takes us directly to the next events. Just a quick Ed said, we'll defend <laughs> the wall to the last man. Probably me. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Uh... We needed you, buddy. Ed for Lord Commander. Yeah, we just need (laughs) you.
1: Pip for Vice Lord Commander. Oh, what a ticket.
2: What a ticket. Pit rivals. Uh, Never mind. mind. (laughs) I love the part where uh, Cotter Pike also is like, it's almost worth it to vote for Jonos Slint just to stick Jonos down the royal craw and see if Stannis gags. Remember that part? Mm Mm-hmm. You know the the comedian Jim Jeffries? He's from he's Australian. Yes, I've heard him do
0: a gun rights thing, I think.
2: That's what he's really well known for. So he lives out here in the States, but he's Australian, and he's very foul. Uh, he has a, a new special on Netflix, and I was watching it, and he does this little part about Donald Trump. And he's like, don't get me wrong. He's a lot of fun. And there's a part of me that thinks, ah, let's do it. Let's see how crazy it can get. Yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump. Now, don't get me wrong.
0: He's a lot of fun. There's, and there's a little bit of me. There's a little bit of me that, when he, uh, like, that thinks, fuck
2: it, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it and see how fucking crazy shit can get. I totally thought of that when I thought of cotter but then he, of course he launches into this big thing about how donald trump's a, a nightmare but let's do it let's just see how crazy it can get
1: uh i think that's gonna happen so uh
2: just just
0: just to be totally politically correct uh we do not advocate the voting for trump or anyone else on this podcast uh fun or not
1: well but you should take part in the democratic process you should vote
2: yes we just don't care
1: who you vote for yep well we do (laughs) but we're not gonna say what we care about yep and you'll never guess okay uh matt do you want to take us to john
2: where we're going up north where the winter's cold and the icicles bloom like the bluest rose we haven't met his mom but we love his wolf he's john snow Fresh off a whopping one hour of sleep the previous night after tossing and turning about Stannis' offer to become Lord Jon Stark of Winterfell, Jon's in the practice yard taking on the pride of Eastwatch, Iron Emmett. He's not doing particularly well today. Uh, Jon takes a shot to the head, and in that moment, he's transported through time uh, to when he used to (laughs) similarly spar with his half-brother Rob in the yard at Winterfell. So then, as boys, they used to pre- pretend they were knights of renown, Aim on the Dragon Knight, Rhyme Wedwine, uh, Florian the Fool. But one morning, John called out that he was playing the Lord of Winterfell. And he'd forgotten that he'd remembered Rob's innocent, if still stinging, reply. You can't be Lord of Winterfell. You're bastard born, Rob had said. My lady mother says you can't ever be Lord of Winterfell. And when John comes to, he's apparently beaten the crap out of Iron Emmett, uh, had no idea what he was doing, almost like scat after eating the pot chocolate, and leaving. And he's left Iron Emmett just dazed on the ground. When Iron Emmett retorts that now he knows how Corrin Halfhand must have felt, ooh, low blow Emmett, John stalks away, frustrated that the stress caused by Stannis' offer is manifesting itself with such rage. Uh, he knows there's nothing a good hot bath can't fix. He goes down, he takes a bath in the uh, tunnels below Winterfell. Apparently there's a nice little sauna down there. Um, he accidentally overhears Bowen Marsh and Alistair Thorne trying to convince Awful Yarwick, the first builder, uh, to support John O'Slint, All that stuff. But next stop, after taking his bath, he goes. he decides to go through the tunnel and out the other side of the wall. So he's uh, emerged on the Wild North and he's out there just by himself. Well, not by himself. They're actually keeping the Wildling captives and stuff all be- beyond the wall there. But he's out there just walking around and kind of thinking uh, things. He's walking amongst the ruins of a battle he helped fight. And there he finally admits to himself he wants Winterfell. Like he wants it bad, he wants to marry Val. He wants to have kids of his own that are legitimate. He wants it. It's a hunger within him, a hunger that, wait, it's, no, it's like a real hunger. Like he's feeling a feeling like he <laughs> hasn't actually eaten in days, a physical hunger. And with that, he looks around, he feels something familiar, and he spots a figure. We'd all been hoping against hope we would spot again. <laughs> yes, guys ghost John's dire wolf is back this homeward bound moment where the two of them run at each other oh, it's it's I cried uh, not as bad <laughs> as Brooke did though. a whole box of tissues Brooke went through uh, overjoyed at seeing his best pal who he'd pretty much given up for dead uh, as he couldn't even sense him like he used to be able to John recalls the circumstances in which they'd found ghost separate from the other dire wolves when they found him for the first time um, you know, he was, Ghost was by himself, this little pup, with eyes as red as a weirwood and fur as white as snow. And it's then that John makes a decision regarding Stannis' offer. But we're not told what that decision is. So, with Ghost at his side, John returns to Castle Black for that night's dinner and choosing ceremony. He walks into the mess hall, and it's, well, a mess. People shouting about turncloaks and traitors, people standing on tables, uh, waving swords, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Ghostbusters plug. At the sign of John, and after a prompting whistle from Pip, the hall goes silent. Whether from just John's presence, or the two times the size of a normal wolf ghost at his side, uh, we can't say, but all eyes turn to John. John breaks the awkward silence by asking what's going on, to which Amon says the funniest thing John's heard in a while, his name has been put forth as Lord Commander. Hardy har guys. Very funny. But it's true. And even awful Yarwick blindsides Alistair and Janos by publicly suggesting John would do a good job. So in the end they call for the vote. Let's do this thing. Well intending for this night to be the final night of voting, as Stannis good old Stannis, has essentially locked them in the mess hall and withheld their dinner until they choose the Lord Commander. <laughs> that is one way to do it. So with that, Sam and Clytus pull over the great kettle used for casting boats, and as they remove the lid, out screams a raven. And they recognize it. It's Lord Mormont's raven. Yes, indeed. And guess what he's cawing from his annoying little voice? That right? That's right. He's saying, snow 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 well guys if uh watchmen had been unsure about their vote before this pretty much seals the deal any guesses as to who won the vote you got it Jan- john john snow by a landslide john snow the bastard of winterfell is now the lord commander of the night's watch whoa he receives congratulations and even oaths of fealty from various members of the watch, including Mallister, Pike, Bowen, Marsh, before he finally goes out to party with his friends, who are themselves in full party mode. John, however, is a little more reserved, knowing that not only does he run the whole Night's Watch, but he also knows he's got to go tell a certain king that he won't be accepting a certain offer, and that's where the chapter ends. So, good,
1: good summary, man. Johns, Snow, Johns, Snow, John, snow, John <laughs> snow. I liked your your raven. Snow, Snow, Snow. The nerdiest raven you've ever met. Well,
2: <laughs> shut your mouth. <laughs> I do the best impersonations on this whole podcast. Agreed.
1: Human <laughs> ones.
2: The, Human the,
1: impersonations. The,
0: the, oh.
1: Your ravens, they suck.
0: I Legolas
2: is pretty great. Yeah, my Orlando and so Bloom. Is, and so is your wow. character
0: from Black Hawk Down. Uh, and what's that? Oh, they're all Orlando Bloom.
2: Yeah, I'm pirate of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. I smell what you're stepping in. Uh, you know, uh... you know what's weird? The, the whole the whole
0: election thing is weird. It's John's POV. We never get even a single thought, let alone a spoken word, about what he actually thinks about being nominated or even successfully named it's it's almost it's like usually you get like their thoughts about what's occurring and their judgments or opinions it's almost like he's just above it like floating out of body like watching it happen like the way he just like the rest was a flood of of tokens to be counted it's almost like it's a complete third uh, third person narrative at that point not even not even from a pov it's it's really weird the way george has written it
2: well, I think it might have been purposeful because yeah, it, it to me what I wrote down is it felt very it seemed like it was very surreal. Like it if you think about it, John was just walking in there to get dinner and he walked out Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Like and it happened just really fast and he didn't do any campaigning. All of this just happened to him. He didn't influence the events other than just walking in with Ghost. Like mm. it just kind of happened. But it couldn't have happened and too that's fast be because 300 really people weird. had to vote.
0: That's what—that's part of and what it talks I mean. About is how like, they
2: all rushed up to it. I know,
0: but it's still like we're talking about minutes of him watching uh-huh. this, and we don't even get a thought from him. It's weird. I kind of
1: attributed it to so when he's out beyond the wall with Ghost making his decision, he is giving up being the Lord of Winterfell, like like an, an incredibly high honor. Uh, incredible amount of responsibility something
2: and so he really actually wanted yeah the
1: flip side of that coin almost has to be something of equivalent like i don't know purpose so i i at least i got the feeling like he wasn't surprised that he was going to come out of this like staying a black brother he wouldn't just stay a steward right like he had to be something equivalent to the king of the north and that that was lord commander of of the night's watch but i i know what you're saying like it, it's very odd that we don't get any internal dialogue no like disbelief no no shock I, I no i not believe
2: this is happening right now yeah, yeah. you know what i think it was actually i think it's like we talked about last time george is just trying to wrap this book up <laughs> he's not going to waste time with details it in. <laughs> and fast forward the vote's done john has been voted for Great. let's finish this thing up you know, I, I, don't, I don't know
0: what to attribute it to it just felt it feels <clears throat> it feels different to me than most of the writing we get which most of those povs are very personal you get a you get a lot of a person's perspective um and and this you you don't it's just what happens it's, it's a little weird not bad it's a, it's a it's an enjoyable read
1: you know the similar thing happened uh to Danny when she was um freeing all of the unsullied like that whole chapter like we knew something big was going to go down but she never gave away what her like be twist betrayed. was going to be yeah. like mm. with her thoughts even though it was her pov like George, just let it play out by action, not by thought, like you're describing. So yeah. I think this is like, sort of like his his way of, of uh, turning the tides on books, or at least marking big events, um, is that he kind of steps back from the character and writes it more like feature film and less syndicated
0: television. You mm. do get that one. I agree with you generally about the Danny chapter, I think. I'd like to actually go back and read it again, but... Um... You do get that one point in, J- in Danny's uh, perspective where she sees the person being whipped in the stockades. Like they've made a public spectacle right in front of her as she comes in. And she's like, this mm-hmm. is the last thing. She actually says, I think it's like a italicized little piece of text. This is the last thing they should have shown me. Like, uh, my, my thoughts are, or my actions are now settled or something i I don't remember exactly the the Mm. words but like she does have that moment where you're very much in her head but Mm. i agree with you generally that that chapter does unfold just as action and less about thinking mostly i don't know Mm. maybe maybe i'm the one that's daft maybe this is just the first time i've noticed it and he does it all the time
2: no it's not a whole lot but yeah like you said i didn't mind it too much i thought it was fun
0: it was great
2: yeah Yeah. go sam go
1: john Go Pip and Gren. They're so, kind of like rolling with the big boys now.
2: Yeah. 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 No kidding, right? They've got friends in high places or a mm-hmm. friend in a high place. <laughs> but, uh, they're the cool kids on campus now. They got student body president as their buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something that I never experienced having. I never <laughs> had friends. <laughs> oh, boy.
0: Oh, that's a lie
2: i'm a um, bastard i'm a bastard <laughs> i should have been king um, speaking of uh feeling kind of down john with uh all this all this stuff about not belonging in winterfell and catlin and rob and yeah uh, i i do like that george spent a lot of time exploring john's feelings there because we were very much inside john's heads there yep mm-hmm. um and uh, that goes along with past dreams that he've had, uh, stuff about, you know, the crypts below Winterfell and the old, his, the ancestors down there saying, this is not your place. Which, if you look at it, the, the, uh, the crypt guys down in the crypts were saying the exact same thing as Catelyn said. Yep. This is not your place. Why are you here? And I was thinking about it, and I think that might actually have paid, uh, played a part in his decision in actually turning down Winterfell. He wants to, I think he, he wants to belong in Winterfell, and he wants, he to wants Winterfell to be his, but he wants it, yeah, he wants to come about it the right way. This way, yeah, he gets Winterfell, but it's almost like Stannis is imposing John upon Winterfell, right? And all of the ancestors that had lived there before and everything. It, it's not the same as being accepted by these Stark ancestors or accepted by Catelyn Stark or, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I think in the end that might have influenced him, you know, turning it down as he wanted to, He wanted it, but he wanted it the right way. Hey, Matt,
0: remind me, when he's talking about cat uh, and saying, you don't belong here, why are you here, that stuff, it's actually, is it is it him imagining that that's what she's thinking as he watches, yes. as she watches him? So it's it's actually possible that the dreams have informed on his brain subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And that that's what he thinks she's thinking because that's what he's heard from the dreams, maybe,
2: yeah, it's yeah, it like totally could kind of be
0: fits together
2: it's it's like he hears that, and then he goes, oh that's that's actually Catelyn saying that, yeah, how that's how she's thinking also, or yeah, yeah. all right
0: so uh,
2: It's
1: that's probably pretty accurate, it's probably
0: exactly what she's <laughs> thinking, yeah, Probably, probably <laughs> or just knife, throat, knife, throat, <laughs> doing what she was thinking too. Uh,
1: we we do get confirmation that uh the wall keeps the connection his warging connection between ghosts cut.
2: Like, it definitely
1: uh,
0: strengthens <laughs> the hypothesis. Strengthens yeah. it for sure. Yeah, it's not outrightly said. But <sighs> I don't know how they could. I don't know how they could outrightly say it. I mean, mm. are they going to do a Pavlovian experiment or something where like right...
2: <laughs> he jumps on the other side? Of the <laughs> yeah. He mean, what are they going to the gonna do? The wall, real quick. Can you yeah. hear me now? Can you hear me now? It's yeah. like the Verizon commercials, right? ghost like can you hear me now? Yeah. Me now? It's
0: uh it's data sampling. It's data sampling for uh yeah. Um yeah, it it does seem it does seem that way for sure. John John is this whole thing with his with his with his feelings, his emotions, he's kinda he kinda doesn't handle them very well. It, it I, I agree with you, Matt. It's kind of interesting seeing him forced to do it. You you kind of I, I don't I don't know how much other than the feeling sorry for himself, I'm a bastard stuff, and you don't belong stuff. It doesn't seem like he dwells in that very often, and he's forced to here. Right. And it's it's kind of he. he I think I get the feeling he's somebody who just kind of represses a lot of stuff. You know, oh, he yeah, just kind for of sure. Keeps everything in and keeps in and in and in and in, and, in and then you know, I, we probably all know somebody like that, right? That they just kind of keep all their anger inside, and then every once in a while, like you don't want to be around because it's fucking Vesuvius.
2: That's, like, that's me 100 percent It just explodes I, I all over the place. Person. Explodes. All over the place. All over the place. Yeah.
1: That took a quick turn. It
0: did. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I would I would agree with you that he's a repressor mm. and that he's a denier, but he does he does dwell on his bastard bastard heritage quite often.
0: But he but he like, keeps it simple. I guess that's what I mean. It's like he has that touchstone. <laughs> He has that touchstone phrase yeah. where he's like, oh, I'm a bastard. I guess that's just how it's always going to be. Rather than, Since, rather than well, like, d- technically, like we huh? <laughs> technically, we gave
1: him that phrase.
0: Huh?
1: Technically, we gave him that phrase. I don't think that's, like, verbatim out of but, any of the books. But it, I know it's what you're implied. saying. Sorry, I keep going. It's applied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Definitely applied. <laughs> I don't think he explores it to any depth, though. Just like, ah, oh, that's how it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and in this case, his lack of belonging and and definitely he takes to heart Catelyn's dismissal of him like uh-huh. a lot deeper than we ever really see Yeah. like surface level it's just mild resentment and but deep down inside I think it's really affected him yeah, of, of course, course it would right like she would be his only mother figure and to have your mother hate you since birth yeah. that's a lot yeah
2: while doting upon everybody else
1: yeah <laughs> Oh yeah. boy. Yeah, and then and then at one point he he thinks of how whenever he excelled over Rob and like studies or fighting or whatever, Catelyn would I can't remember what she does, but she doesn't like it. So He's, you know
2: spits fire. Yeah. Yeah. But I would contend that he, he does handle his emotions pretty well, I would think. Scott, you said you didn't you didn't think he handled it too well. I just thought he deals with them. I, I thought he you know, he he went on his walk. He got it all through. Up. It was on First. his mind. He hit someone in the head, which is sometimes what you need. That's that's my outlet. That's my explosion because I, I do repress a lot of stuff. and when I It's usually in hockey, and I usually end up in the penalty box for a few minutes. But it's all right, and then it's all out, and I'm good. Um, but he he comes away clear-headed, right? And so I would contend that maybe he does handle his emotions pretty well. He's, he got it all out. And he thought it through, and he's he's bombarded with all these people wanting him to be something. Like, greet wants him to be a wildling. Stannis wants him to be Lord of Winterfell. Everyone wants him to be something. jon O'Slint wants him to be a friggin' traitor. I don't know. But what does Jon want to be? What does he need to be?
0: I get what you're and, saying. And he,
2: he comes away making that decision, and and, you know, he sees Val in the mm-hmm. tower, and that's our first confirmation of the decision that he made where he says, you know, you're not the one, or I'm not the one. It's a really good collective soul song, by the way. Oh, 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 I'm, not the one. I'm not the man to steal you out of there. She, He says he thinks about her. And so, you know, I think he, he I, went. Yeah, he I hear what he you're did, saying, like, but he,
0: the, a healthy person dealing with those things doesn't wait until he has to kill someone or almost kill someone mm-hmm. to deal with them all at once. He deals with them as they come up. The egret thing he would have dealt with a long time ago, in a healthy, in a healthy way.
2: And not he's like, also fifteen. Years not old. like
0: piled it all together into. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying he's he's an a hole for it. I'm just saying that he doesn't do it well, whether he's fifteen mm-hmm. or thirty. He doesn't do it well.
2: I think he's got a lot of growing to do.
1: Yeah. I, Scat, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think what you're getting at is that he's handling all this completely alone. So, right True. off yeah, the yeah. bat, he is he is setting himself for for potential failure of handling, which is in itself a failure of handling. So, if he had maybe turned to Maester Amon or or ghost, yeah, I guess Donald Noy is gone, but you know. He, I guess, he has lost a lot of his support system. But even Sam would have been good in this in this case to just to discuss this decision with, right? And that is theoretically what a healthy person would do, right? They wouldn't just deal with it by themselves. Yeah. I and I think that, yeah, maybe that would yeah. be a potential. But, but, but here's here's on the, on the other hand, he dealt with it by himself, and he did a good job. Like,
2: not really he figured out. He made the no, wrong choice until Ghost came and saved him. He didn't make a. He hadn't made a choice then. He would admitted to himself that he wanted Winterfell, yeah. but he hadn't decided. I'm going to accept Jon Stannis's offer. At no point did he say that, but he did say he wanted it. Consulting text. Go for <laughs> it. I feel like it was pretty well laid out that he was going to accept. Oh yeah, with the feelings and that until, he had until
0: the hunger overpowered him. That was Ghost and Ghost, and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. red yep. eyes like a like the heart tree. Yep. We can move on. It's taking me too long to find this.
2: <laughs> it's, uh, oh, I can't give you a page number because I read it on my Kindle. It's like but,
0: 1100. Yeah,
2: he says he yep. he wants her. He wants Val. He wants Winterfell. He wants it more than anything, but never says, I'm going to pick that.
1: Yeah, so whatever Which the case.
2: I'll relate to making those tough decisions.
1: Uh, I have no tough decisions to make. Oh, my God. My life is pretty good.
2: Whatever. I don't have anything No.
1: um but uh i think we can agree and i'm not even thinking of future events but just in that position as lord commander he needs to surround himself by trustworthy confidants otherwise yeah he's he's either going to stress himself to death or he's going to make a bad decision just from lack of experience and perspective like you you need sort of like a team in that leadership position yeah sure he is like he has the veto power but he needs he needs to trust other people so i hope that he finds
2: that um yeah and in his it's interesting world. that he's got that you mentioned that brooke because he's got half a dozen guys that would die for him in a heartbeat right mm-hmm. at least i'm thinking of his his inner circle the grins mm-hmm. and the pips and the Halders and those the
1: ed things. yeah
2: yeah ed said and uh <laughs> And not to mention Sam, of course. And it's interesting that, you know, these guys would bend over backward for him, but yet we still don't see from his POV anyways that him acknowledging that devotion. They're just mm-hmm. kind of his buddies. It's almost like he doesn't fully accept that they're his his pals or that they care about him. And mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. maybe that's from him not really ever having that. So it's hard for him to accept when he does but,
1: Okay, well, good chapter, right, guys?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely. Let's let's roll on to the next one. All right, Scad,
2: that's Sansa. Sansa. Don't know when a prince will come, but surely he's a gonna come for Sansa Stark. he be looking like a Tully and a daddy killed a wovey Sansa Stark.
0: Elaine yeah. <laughs> Stone dreams of home, Winterfell, but she awakens to the cold confines of the Erie and her Aunt Lysa's dreary, empty house. Lysa has essentially gotten rid of anyone that disagrees with her, upsets her son, or disparages her pet, the rapey singer Marillion. The result is a mostly echoey household, with only Robert being anywhere close to Sansa's age. But there is good news. It's snowing. Sansa dresses warmly and adorably in a white fox fur Cloak. <laughs> and heads outside into, pardon the phrase, a winter wonderland. Amid the softly falling flakes and the dawn's gray light, she's reminded of home, of innocence, of her past, but following it all is a sense that she doesn't belong, that her journey has sullied her in some way, and that she doesn't fit in there anymore. Sansa falls to her knees and starts sculpting a snow castle, a tower, walls, a keep, armory, kitchens. Before long, it became clear that Sansa was in fact building Winterfell, As the snow continues to fall, Sansa's resolve to remake her home intensifies. She notes people, including her Aunt Lysa, watching, but none seem to linger. Except Littlefinger. He linger. Creepy linger. But outside the lingering, he's actually super helpful in finishing the castle. As Sansa and Peter bring Winterfell to completion, Sansa feels more at home, more confident, more... playful? She engages in some playful teasing with Peter, and he bites hard. With just his lips and no teeth. All over hers. <laughs> lips, not teeth. He kisses her hard and deep. She gives in then, but then revolts, because, you know, it's revolting. He doesn't even have the dignity to be embarrassed, Peter. Instead, he doubles down. This here is Pete, we call him double down. Instead of apologizing, he indicates how beautiful she is. A snow maiden. Thankfully, little Robert interrupts them before it can go any further. He destroys the miniature castle with his doll playing giant. Sansa flips the fuck out, grabs at the doll and rips its head off as Robert tries to pull it away. The giant sawdust guts spilled, Robert has a seizure all up in Sansa's masterpiece, destroying it completely. As Sansa warms by the fire in the room, in her room after the, in the aftermath, she contemplates her future. There, in the area with Robert, what's gonna happen? She's sure to get in trouble for causing Robert Caesar, she she knows that, but she intends to tell her aunt that this future is not what she had in mind, and she will not wed Robert. Oh, Sansa. If only that, if that seizure was the only thing you were really on trial for here. When she is summoned, Merillion brings her to the High Hall, not her solar, where Lysa usually is. Merillion locks the door, in a curious move, and Sansa is immediately challenged by Lysa. Unconcerned with the doll incident... Lisa saw the kiss. Despite seeing exactly what happened, Lisa tries to concoct an alternate reality wherein Sansa is the kiss culprit, and not the victim. Sansa, to her credit, won't budge from the facts. To her credit, and also nearly to her demise, but I'm getting ahead of myself. For as Lysa concocts her fiction, included in it are details of how Cat used to lead Peter along with smiles and looks, only to utterly deny him several times, including one night that hurt little Pete so badly he got terribly drunk, and Liza gave him solace, or gave him love, or raped him. A baby was made, but from her womb untimely ripped, and this has clearly damaged Liza emotionally. As she continues to assault Sansa with words, insisting that she is the instigator, and threatening all sorts of madness, Sansa finally blurts out, I swear I will kiss him again, or entice him. Her confession in hand, Lysa bullies Sansa to the moon door, opens it, and starts to push her out into the open air. Marillion plays the soundtrack as Lysa gets closer and closer to closer to murder by moon door expulsion. Peter saves the day though. Coming in through a back entrance, he talks Lysa down, promising he is hers forever, saying really whatever he thinks she wants to hear. But it's her rambling that's interesting. She killed John Aaron. And lied to Kat in that ciphered message all the way back in the beginning of A Game of Thrones. Blaming the Lannisters for it. Guys, she started the whole fucking thing. Comforted, though, by Peter's assurances, she relents. Only to then be thrown out the moon door herself after a brief hug from Peter, as he tells her, I've only ever loved one woman. Kat shove. In one last stroke of genius, Peter lets the guards in the room and pins the murder on Marillion. Chapter over.
2: Only cat. I mean... Did you guys think that Sansa was gonna die?
0: Oh yeah, the first I time read it, sure. I read was, it, I was thinking, you know, Starks don't seem long for this world.
2: Yeah, it's like, Catlin's died, Rob's died, why not Sansa too? Yeah. this
0: killer.
2: <laughs> yeah. But...
1: I remember being very surprised that Peter had the balls to like basically just kick Liza out the out the moon door, blame somebody else for the murder, and keep going.
0: oh just impressive yeah, it, honestly, Peter's dealing with uh, he's he's in let's just say he's enveloped in some strong, strong plot armor because like kissing her in the middle of <laughs> the square. With like everyone to see, like that's a that's a bold move. Push Wait, are you
1: saying that that he wanted to set up this exact little well scenario, or just maybe just know. sow some contention between <clears throat> Liza and Sansa? I don't, I don't,
0: I don't know. One of you guys—I don't remember which one of you—said before that Sansa is his weakness. And I'm not, I'm not sure actually that he was playing it. His response yeah. seems like he was, because he's, you know, he doesn't back he away, would. he doesn't apologize, like, oh shit, what have I done? He's like, yeah, you're beautiful, and I know it, and mm-hmm. you know it. Um,
2: <laughs> so yeah, it does That's seem, nice. it does seem intentional, but... I, 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 I think the uh, cat cat love took over there.
0: Yeah, it feels that way.
2: Because <laughs> Lysa R- Lysa claims that Catelyn used to tease him and stuff remember yeah and and kind of flirty but not too flirty and all of a sudden is like throwing snow in his face and stuff <laughs> <was> like, oh, <laughs> yeah yeah i don't want
0: to i don't want to victim blame here um oh definitely she, not she she kind of just kind of pushes maybe not knowing it probably but pushes the exact buttons that peter need push needed pushed Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in any sort of sexual way. It was,
1: yeah, entirely innocent on her
2: part. But man, those were the
1: right buttons.
2: Holy. (laughs) Kissed a woman. And he kissed her long and good.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going for. Uh, I don't think I quite nailed it um, in my summary. But uh, yeah, I I, I did fear for Sans. I thought maybe she was heading out the moon door. Uh, I'm surprised Peter has the balls to, to do that. But... You know, maybe we shouldn't. We we just read basically that he set this whole thing up. This yeah, the all... whole plot just in just just opened up right in front of us, right?
2: The War mm-hmm. of the Five Kings essentially began with Littlefinger. Yes. Is what we were just told. Yes. Right?
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. With the uh, poisoning of John Aaron.
0: hmm And sending that letter, right, to yep. to grow suspicion in the Lannisters on
2: on the side of the Starks, right? Eddard Stark goes south for that sole reason. Remember, he was going to reject the offer until yeah. they got that letter. And then Catelyn said, You, you have, have to go, go to figure this out.
1: It's almost like you can just stop reading right
2: here. I'll figure it out. I was just in it to see who <laughs> killed John Aaron. Now that I know, yeah, I'm good. Look yeah, over. That, that guy that we
0: never met. Yeah, that's all I cared about. <laughs> Series done. Yeah. yeah,
1: he's had an awful lot of influence for a guy who, yeah, we never get any additional detail right. on.
2: We know yeah. he's just I mean,
1: real, real old, real old balls.
2: We, we call it Robert's Rebellion, but it was essentially John Aaron that started it. I mean, mm-hmm. he was a very influential guy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. His fingers are all over this story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We also meet uh, Sweet Robin, who oh, is. Gosh. Just Charming. oh boy. Oh boy. That's the kid you don't want your kid playing with.
0: <laughs> yeah, or talking to or
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Can I you go to want... Robert's house?
0: Nope. <laughs> yeah, the 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 best way to me uh to just kind of sum up uh little Peter is uh little Robert or, sorry, little Robert uh-huh. is when he blames the doll for wrecking the castle. Mm. That, is, that is what you call privilege, right? That is what, uh, when when people that have everything just given to them, when they don't understand how to take blame for every for anything at all, like he's clearly wrecked this whole thing himself with this doll, and he blames an inanimate object. That's what you call privilege, and those are the kinds of people you need to avoid, period. Because uh. you're going to get rolled on for something
2: and it definitely I, goes back to mom.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I do I feel bad for this kid. Like uh, if John Aaron was such a swell guy, why didn't he have more influence over this child?
2: They said he tried to like, you know, we've got the whole thing about him tr- trying to foster him off and everything and but in the end yeah. Lysa wins.
1: Lisa <laughs> was like, "I'll kill you." He's like, "Try me." And she was like, kills him.
2: Challenge accepted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting question. We don't get much insight into Lysa and John's relationship at all. Um, you know, other than other than Lysa saying how much she hated it. Um, how old he was, how he smelled, all that kind of crap. But, you know, maybe <sighs> she just said, look, if you want more sons, I'm raising this one. Or I'm out of your wedding bed or, you know, whatever. We don't know. I mean, you know, maybe she just wouldn't let him near him. Mm-hmm. Also, <clears throat> you know, he was in King's Landing, being busy doing doing hand stuff. Yeah. You know, just didn't have much of an opportunity. We know, we know Robert <laughs> didn't have a hand in raising Joffrey, although that was partially, you know, maybe by his choice. But mm. people are busy.
1: Oh man, Gurm really makes mothers look bad in this series.
2: I think he makes everybody which, look bad.
1: Which Holy sucks cow. because
2: you hate Lysa, but like we talked about before, you can't help but pity her. Like what Hoster put her through, and. And and you can't really call Hoster malicious or anything because it's cultural that you dote on your daughters for until they're old enough to get married, and then you just sell them off mm. to forge alliances or do whatever you want. And that scene is completely acceptable. And no matter how much Hoster loved Lysa, he's like, well, I really need this thing with the Eerie, so you're marrying the 65-year-old guy. Sorry.
0: Uh, yeah. I, I, Lysa is... Uh... After aborting <clears throat> the baby. Which, so... I do feel bad for her. I think she's also complicit in the future she's been given. Um, I I kind of hit it in there in my summary in a joke, but she basically took advantage of a younger boy uh, while he was passed out drunk and slept with Mm -hmm. him and had his baby. That's rape. Uh, Rape goes both ways, uh, and she absolutely raped him. I agree.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know what? You're right. I was just about to make the argument that she was, she had been punished for mistakes she'd made as a kid, but that's a mistake that does have to be punished. Like I think about this stupid Stanford swimmer guy in the news who got all that special treatment from the judge in his trial because you know, he had mm-hmm. a bright future and stuff. It doesn't excuse the fact that he raped that girl, yeah. and and that's what we're staring at here. So I understand the empathy for these kids and the mistakes they've made, but that is.
2: I agree, but I think the hoster's reason for punishment was also a little off. Oh yeah, the I don't whole think reason did he did reason. it, yeah, was so that she would wouldn't have a bastard kid and she would still be <sighs> somehow suitable. Yeah. That's a good point too. Oh, it's all terrible. It's It's all terrible. terrible. Which again, I can't completely place blame on Hoster. It's just what dads did back then, which is a terrible (coughs) thing for me to say too. It's just a crazy patriarchy.
1: Oh, it's all the worst. Um, This Stanford
0: guy. Did I hear right? I I saw a headline, but I didn't get the whole article. He's now going on tour, like Uh, making money, talking about the dangers of alcohol and stuff. Somebody tell the me all dangers that money of he alcohol, makes... so somebody tell me all that money he makes, goes to charity or something, or I'm gonna friggin,
2: and I've heard a lot of like universities and stuff say that they would never take him. Huh. you know, I'm you gonna, know gonna
1: lose is. my mind, oh my gosh, uh, the dangers of alcohol no, it's the dangers,
2: dangers of, of
1: sexually assaulting a yeah, woman
0: yeah well, I may that's have got... the
1: danger that's it.
0: I shouldn't have put this on the podcast. I may have got the headline wrong. I saw it today at the airport while I was walking around uh and didn't have time to
2: stop and read it all, but anyway. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, were you guys upset when Liza <laughs> took the plunge? So to speak. Oh say? no!
2: I was like, oh, finally. <laughs> Isn't that terrible! I was just sick of her. I was just sick of her. It wasn't for You're any like, reasons oh. of like advancing the stories. It's like, oh, finally, I don't have to read about her anymore. She's just gone. You're like too bad she didn't man.
1: scream.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's I did. I. think her I was happy to. arms flailing in the wind as she fell. It it opens up just an interesting, an interesting arena for the stories to move forward in, right? What's going to happen in the area? Peter is now mm-hmm. in control, seemingly, um, you know, not just as a husband of a ruler, but as presumably the ruler, and you know he can do whatever he wants with all this power now,
2: which he's never had this much before, right?
0: Yeah, so you worry
2: about someone like Little Robert at this point
1: arguably Sansa could have a claim like she could come forward as herself at this point safe in the eerie and be like
2: I mean sure
1: Robert is the direct heir but he's an incapable sick little child she could right. I'm not saying she will but
2: well, that's the idea is to get him married right
1: mm-hmm.
2: which uh, Sansa's already married that legal legal <laughs> uh,
1: is true. There's Mary little figure just bypassing
2: all of that. Well, I she's think married that, to Tyrion.
0: I think they talk about the fact that they they will be able to set that marriage aside when they need to. Um, he knows, I mean, he's thought about it. He mentioned it in one of the other chapters that they'll just be able to set aside. Oh, I was aside. looking
2: and I couldn't find it. I can't remember
0: exactly what he says. There's, we'll there's
2: probably a loophole with consummation. <laughs> consummation <laughs> nothing, and, like, basically.
0: Basically, and I him
1: think... being an escaped criminal an escaped yeah.
0: criminal and the crown the 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 high septon hates him in general and probably could be bought as well and basically I, I don't remember whether he makes all his arguments but he's he's basically like we can get a put aside when we need
2: to
1: mm-hmm. just little fingers sheer force of will Yeah,
2: I think that's ah, it what it is at this point yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it what I want yeah <laughs> That's nothing Um, to me. I'm throwing people out of doors and starting wars. Hey, that kind of rhymed. Yeah. Uh, Marrying you to someone else is the least of my worries. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: One tiny science note uh, that I have to bring up, because I feel like obligated at this point.
0: Is this the cold mud thing again?
1: Yeah, a little bit. So, (laughs) Sansa walks out onto snow-covered paving stones right into this courtyard yeah and germ says that her footsteps are silent yeah. i know you guys have stepped in snow before and i know a lot of our listeners will have stepped in snow before crunch 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 it is not silent right. it's like you're it's, stepping on a goose every footstep especially no, not the no snow no she describes no matter what like that yeah, life 13-year-old, I don't care how, how how graceful and skinny you might be. Rant, 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 rant. Ant- That's the sound of walking through snow. <laughs> Ant- it's Jesus.
0: Especially the snow she describes, which she describes as wet and packable. There is very light snow that can be more like that, but the heavy wet snow like that, yeah, you're making lots of noise.
2: Mm, yeah. Wet and packable.
1: Yeah, Once you're like, mm-hmm. like yeah. Like a, a a master stalker hunter, like there's, yeah, so thanks, Skirm for <laughs> another snow fallacy.
2: Yeah,
1: you thank
2: you, thank you, you Brooke,
1: screwed up. <laughs>
2: our resident snow expert. <laughs> snow, ice, anything like that.
1: Yeah, these sort or of cold weather events. Yeah.
2: Hashtag wet impeccable. Wet yeah. impeccable. Uh, while we're on that topic of science-y stuff, little Robert's diagnosis—epileptic, or is he just faking it all because he's so spoiled? Like, does he just have these flip-outs because he flips out? Because he knows uh, he'll get his way.
1: Seems pretty genuine, like an, okay. like a like an actual fit where you know you're supposed to lay someone on their side and put something
2: between their teeth. Yeah, like, because he's have <laughs> an actual seizure. <laughs> a seizure,
1: so yeah. But yeah. epilepsy? Uh, uh, well, uh, I'm not enough about either
0: of them i have yeah i I have no medical basis for any of this but i I feel like he has he has a condition that that those seizures can occur and those seizures can be brought on by um, by spastic or, or, or or upset behavior and so his his general personality problems of becoming very easily upset lend to more seizures but but mm-hmm. the seizures are a real thing i think yeah. if he, if he toughened up he'd have fewer of them i guess is what i'm getting at but they're a real thing if he I, toughened up no like like if he were if he were prone to less hysteria mm-hmm. that brought those on i think he would have fewer of them but he's prone to that hysteria which lends itself to starting them and i could be completely wrong about 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 right. those types of seizures and maybe they just happen when they happen but
2: I was reading up about it a little bit, and they said that science hasn't completely found the correlation between, like, a str- stress and the seizures. Yeah. But they do see it, right? Mm. It seems like it would make sense. I know, like, with, uh, with my oldest boy, uh, this isn't the same thing exactly, but he used to have those night terrors at night. Scott, you and I have talked about this. Yeah. yeah and as I've looked too. back on it – yeah, you mentioned yeah. that your little guys had them. Oh, my God. As I've looked back on it, a lot of the times when they've happened – is when he's had like a bad time going to bed, when it hasn't been like the normal "Let's read a story, good night, Jackson, mm. see you in the morning." It's been like, you know, he's throwing "I don't want to go to bed, well, you are going to bed." That's <laughs> 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 on those. It, I noticed that it was on the nights when he had a tougher time settling down and everything that he'd have um, on, So, oh you know what I mean? Oh, that sucks, little dude. It's fine. He grew out of them. uh I did not I,
0: mean just to be politically correct for a minute. I did not mean to tell people that have seizures to toughen up. That was uh that was not at all you what sa- I meant. You
1: sounded like my dad for a second. What <laughs>
0: I'm what I, what I meant was that I think I think there are cases where it's brought on by trauma, and this kid is pretty easily traumatized just because of the way he's been raised.
2: That's what i right. Mean. I would yeah. I'd point to Lisa. Anything remotely dangerous happens to him, she's like, "Come here, come." she like flips out probably. And that doesn't help the way that he handles those types of mm-hmm. things.
1: And the first rule of babysitting, if they hurt themselves, don't, don't give them attention.
2: Absolutely.
1: Let them stand up
0: and brush it off.
1: <laughs> I know I do agree with you telling people to it up. Yeah. I changed my mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Entirely <laughs> depends um, on the circumstance.
1: I do know that people dealing with MS, which is another like degradation type, Disease like a diet and and just like general lifestyle is really important for like helping to just manage it. And mm-hmm. it, it seems like this child is probably just just letting him eat whatever he wants, play whenever he wants, sleep Still whenever he wants.
2: Feeding. He doesn't have oh. anyone to oh, interact man, with.
1: Forgot. Just on the tit all the time. Yeah. So so yeah, that probably affects his overall health too.
2: Prior to Sansa, he would interact with his mom's breast and the maester. <laughs> that was it. Nipple one, nipple two. <laughs> nipple one, nipple two. <laughs> Good God. Uh, second Wayne's World reference tonight. Wow, loves- we just went through a really significant chapter where so many things were revealed and so many things happened and we're talking about boobs. But,
1: Sounds about right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> this us part for the course.
1: Um, any anything else in this chapter?
0: I, I just want to underscore. I mean, we said it earlier. If Lysa doesn't send that letter, none of this shit happens. Just want to underscore it. I think you're right. That, that little finger. That little finger. That little fi- little finger and a little thing. Yep. <laughs> He's finging. Maybe, maybe uh... we should change our podcast to little things. Davos's little fingers. Peter's little things. Peter Well, oh, we'll think about it.
1: <sighs> Whatever the case, fingers is a good it's a good just shortened form. Covers it all. hmm Okay, well uh you guys ready to move on to the very last chapter?
2: Yep. Yeah. I I gotta try to think up a a song for the epilogue. I don't have a song for it.
1: I don't think merit, merit Frey needs a song. I don't I think don't mean, Merit
2: like, merits a song. What? It's like go. an overall epilogue song, just in case we have future epilogues in other books. But we'll see.
0: Epilogy. I trust
1: your, your judgment, but no pressure. Yeah. No
2: pressure.
1: It can just be you, falsetto.
2: Uh, epilogue! It's well, fine. I think we just got the epilogue one. I'm going <laughs> to isolate you saying that, and that's going to be the epilogue.
0: Yes.
2: Epilogue. Nice. <laughs> kind of like Scott with word of the day. That word of the day intro. Word of the day. Yeah. Was that one take? Scott just did it. It's perfect. It's never been repeated, and we've kept it. it never it's could be repeated. Still in use I'm today. Sure I would fail miserably. It's still in use today.
1: Can we just have Scad say epilogue two, and then we've got all three of us. And if you wanted to piece them together, it might be kind of fun.
2: Maybe we could make a
1: epilogue two.
2: There we go. Maybe I could like adjust pitch on each of them to make it sound like we're harmonizing and stuff. We could <laughs> wow.
0: Sad that yeah, we can to do that. But...
2: We could have some fun on this. <laughs> uh,
1: All right. So... yes. All right. So here we are. The end of. A Storm of Swords, the epilogue. Gurm could have wrapped up a mystery or two from the last three books, but instead we get the POV from a very minor character who we have met before. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks, George. Thanks, Obama. Merritt Frey is the ninth son of Walder. Unlucky, often in his cups, and very anti-outlaw. Gurm does a great job of really soaking us in the mind of a brain-damaged, whiny, sad Frey. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you guys, but I often found myself, like, empathizing with the guy, even though he's a bona fide piece of Frey trash. We know this because he helped execute the Red Wedding, his job being to get the great John Umber as drunk as possible. One job, get the great John umber drunk as possible um by the way he failed here's a few other things to know about Merritt. he squired at craig hall with our friend jamie lannister there he contracted the pox from a camp follower was captured by wenda the white fawn of the kingswood brotherhood and ransomed back And then was maced in the head so hard by an outlaw, he could never fight again, and was therefore never knighted, and never much use to his father and his brothers, who call him Merritt Muttonhead. Fat Walda is one of his daughters, and he is not bursting with pride about that, which I find foolish. Fat Walda has... Accomplished a lot. She's an ambitious young woman.
2: Yes, she has.
1: <laughs> Anyways, we're following Merritt around because he volunteered to deliver the ransom for Peter Pimple Frey, Lord Ryman's son. Lord Ryman being the heir to the twins, who has been captured by the Brotherhood without banners. Peter Pimple was out with a camp follower when he got nabbed. So uh, Merit doesn't blame him because Merit has made the same mistakes in his youth. Despite being slowed down by the blinding headaches he's had most of his life, Merritt hopes that meeting with these outlaws, uh, he's meeting them at Old Stones, and seeing his nephew back to the twins safely will put him in good standing with Lord Ryman, or at least with Peter himself, who might one day be the Lord of the Crossing. So at sunset, Merritt is at Old Stones, as arranged, he's got a bag of gold to pay for the ransom. And what do you know, our old friends Lem Lemoncloak and Tom of Seven Streams and all the rest of the good brotherhood have already hung poor Peter Pimple and have a rope around Merritt's neck literally before he can even ask what they're doing. It's it's incredible. It's, I, I hope anyone listening has a chance to reread this epilogue because it's it's so deftly done. Merritt is literally off his horse walking up to where Peter's being hung and they've got the rope around his neck like No struggle, no nothing. So Merritt is going nuts, his head's pounding, he feels like an idiot, his fray arrogance and entitlement is rising, and he's desperate for a drink. The Brotherhood (laughs) admits that they are not hanging Merritt merely for the pleasure, but because he is guilty of the assassination of the King of the North. In his panic, Merritt denies direct involvement in the Red Wedding, selling out his father, his son-in-law, and his brothers like it's a fire sale. Then he demands a trial because there are no witnesses to merit doing anything worse than drinking at the wedding. Oh, but wait, there is a witness. Mm. I'm going to read from the chapter here a little bit. We are yeah, introduced to a member of the brotherhood, a cloaked and hooded woman. The outlaws parted as she came forward saying no word. When she lowered her hood, something tightened inside Merritt's chest, and for a moment he could not breathe. No, no, I saw her die. She was dead for a day and a night before they stripped her naked and threw her body in the river. Raymond opened her throat from ear to ear. She was dead. Her cloak and collar hid the gash his brother's blade had made, but her face was even worse than he remembered. The flesh had gone pudding soft in the water and turned the color of curdled milk. Half her hair was gone and the rest had turned as white and brittle as a crone's. Beneath her ravaged scalp, her face was shredded skin and black blood where she had raked herself with her nails. But her eyes were the most terrible thing. Her eyes saw him and they hated. She don't speak, said the big man in the yellow cloak. You bloody bastards cut her throat too deep for that, but she remembers. He turned to the dead woman and said, What do you say, milady? Was he part of it? Lady Catlin's eyes never left him. She nodded. And then they hung Merit. Oh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Goosebumps. Oh, my gosh. So awesome. Oh, uh, Liza, Liza Tully dead? Catlin Tully alive,
2: alive, oh, and I when... bet Liza is pissed. Kinda <laughs> alive,
1: well, you know, mushy flesh, half
0: hair
2: yeah. missing, mm. Mm. half her skin scratched off her yeah. face,
1: throat still slit, ear to ear. Yeah, yeah, she yeah.
2: looking good.
1: Yeah, so this is confirmation from a previous Arya chapter when she had the wolf dream of Nymeria pulling a woman's body from the water. And uh it was it was pretty obvious and I think we we discussed that it it was likely Catelyn. But uh, did anyone see the reanimation of her corpse coming?
0: No. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh. No, it it served it served narratively as proof to Arya that she should move on. Um and so there's no reason to think there was anything else going to happen here you know other than that there was i think there was a of, notice in that chapter that nymeria heard men coming so it's like yeah. oh men are coming let's let's leave but but you know uh, which maybe would say something would happen like they bury her or something but can we talk about that for a minute like how did that scene go when like they found her like, I mean, put yourself in their shoes. You're, you're, about, you're a band of outlaws consistently in need of horses and clothing and coin and food and in a rush to get them and various missions to go on and so forth. Uh, you come by this corpse that's swollen, missing half her skin and half her hair. I think they said they took her clothes off and dumped her, right? So she's not wearing she's anything. Naked. She's mm. naked. What 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 grabbed them and said, you know what? <laughs> Catelyn Stark. We should give her Let's the kiss take of a life. look at this. Like, I'm what? thinking that maybe the, with that, the, buddy.
1: the naked woman was the first thing that caught their attention. I'm I'm guessing. <laughs> and then they were like, guys, check it out.
2: Gross. Naked corpse. <laughs> and then they were like,
1: Huh. Huh? She looks kind of familiar. Like maybe Harlan is still with them. Yeah,
2: remember we've got Harwin, and it's been—did uh, we hear how many days it has been? We know she—I mean, with the state of her body, she's been in that water for a while. Uh, yeah, day and um, night of just just out of the water. Yeah. So some word could have gotten out, gossip-wise. Maybe it might be too early saying that Catelyn Stark had gotten her throat cut. Yeah. Or something. So that well, was could have been how they recognized it. But it would be hard for Harwin to recognize, to Skad's point, within the shape of her the shape her body was in to recognize. Oh, that's Catelyn Tully. there's Catelyn yeah. Stark? But so also, got, like,
0: um, first of all, did I spoil something? Do I need to be careful with this?
2: Uh, Here, okay. The method of her reanimation hasn't been revealed yet. It'll be revealed in a Feast for Crows. I guess I don't remember
0: them revealing. Anyway, I guess we'll stop.
2: Well, let's I think you're spoiler. you're
1: talking more about like the recognition of her body, not her reanimation rate.
0: So let's forget about even recognizing her, like. Sure. What? What? Why? <laughs> well, like, anyway, I go about this, <laughs> I'll spoil it. But like, what the, 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 when 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 Baric was their leader and they and they reanimated him to like take control of the group, there was a really good reason for that. He was their leader. Like, this is just a corpse to them, right? What it, She doesn't... She's nothing to them. Why would they even pick her out and focus on her?
2: And that's why I'm saying that it would only be if they somehow recognized that she was Catelyn. Catelyn's mm-hmm. Catelyn But Stark. still, who cares? They
0: weren't for the wolves or the lions or anybody. They were for Robert. And what does Catelyn have to do with them at all? Oh my god, you guys. You know what this is? It's just to further the
1: plot. This is another instance of Kerm just, like, being like...
2: I need to get Catelyn
1: alive somehow. That's exactly what it is. Sorry, Scott, I don't mean to belittle this very valid line of questioning, but honestly, I think it's just Grim being like, "Well," and now she's a zombie.
2: I guess. <laughs> I just I hate explanations like that. Me. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we could point to this is weak. Weak. This is this is weak. Uh, Barrick was pretty darn loyal to eddard at least for the short time that he knew him when eddard sent him off uh that could be part of it um but i think that's weak because he i don't know if he's loyal more he just kind of did what he was told to do so he was dutiful
0: yeah um, i mean they call themselves king robert's men right
2: um, yeah he was following the orders he was of following the following orders
0: of eddard on behalf of king robert but anyway right. i don't know it's I I just they've been notoriously not taking sides in any of this conflict, and now all of a sudden they're hunting, they're hunting for vengeance against the phrase. I, I, I mean I wondered if if you know this um this uh breaking the guess right thing. We we always kind of we don't know how seriously to take it sometimes. Like, did they do something so bad here that it it made the these outlaws like, okay, we're frey hunting now. They're 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 evil well, enough that we will pick a side.
1: Well, I wonder if the the killing them was more just out of convenience because it, it I got didn't got mention in my armor. summary. Well, I didn't mention in my summary, but they did question Merritt as well. They wanted to know if he'd seen Sandor Clegane. Maybe accompanied by a young boy or a girl
0: mm.
1: so um I, I would say that they're just looking for witnesses because they, they said that they had talked to the farrier had taken them across the, the water at the twins yeah. um or near to the twins mm. at the fork and uh that's right so, okay, so
0: they're looking for sandor basically
1: yeah and and they just have uh, there's just so many bloody phrases all over the place i mean they're, the, the the chances are that they're picking up phrase is pretty high and also those phrase are horrible and guilty and so yeah so easy just to to wrap or have been rope around a tree branch and they got a hundred dragons out of
2: it they did yes they did
1: Hmm. Um. So, Merritt says that they sh- they wouldn't dare hang a fray, and apparently Peter Pimple had said the same thing that that uh there there will be vengeance. But I feel like there won't be. Yeah. <laughs> <I> feel like.
2: <laughs>
0: <No>. Me neither.
1: <laughs> that was big talk. So. Yeah. yeah I think I, I think they're out. just they're just not worried about it. They're just like meh.
2: Yeah. And we'll kill them. <laughs> So I don't says, think
1: it's...
2: Sorry, go ahead. No, you finish.
1: So uh, just to, just to say, like, I don't think that these guys have now, like, turned all of their energies to vengeance. It's just more a matter of it's easier to hang them to let them go.
0: And they get some coin yeah. out of it. Yeah, maybe it's just more and, of the same. Yeah. And they're looking for Sandor.
1: Yeah.
2: That's the main goal. And how much place. is this reanimated Catelyn now influencing that potential change in direction that we're discussing, right?
1: Mm, Because they were very specific about who was accompanying Sandor. Mm -hmm. Though she doesn't speak, so...
2: That's what I'm saying, is we... At this point in the books, we don't know what her role has been, if she's just kind of following them around as their star witness, or if she's playing a greater role in the, the leadership of this group. So...
1: Yeah, because where's Barak? Barak and uh, Thoros.
2: Thoros. We don't hear from them. We get Lem. We get Tom. Mm-hmm. We get a couple others, but Greenbeard or whatever his name is. No, that's Lord of the Rings. There's a Tyroshi <laughs> guy with the green beard. I can't Gandalf? think of his name though. Uh,
0: no. <laughs> it's a growing business. This outlaw stuff. They need, uh, you know, they're promoting from within. Multiple, right. lo- multiple franchise locations. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So I was uh, tallying up all of, of Merritt's potential physical ailments. So <laughs> we can assume he, he got an STD, right? The pox. Pox. Yeah, pox. Pretty, po- so pretty pox. I did have a question about what that Herpes. really is, the pox. He's got, I think he's definitely got post-concussion syndrome, whatever it's called. That's where the headaches are from.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And now he's an alcoholic to boot, influenced by all those things. Oh. So, this merit feel for the guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 the worst part is,
2: is that yeah.
1: At one point, he was um, had a lot of potential as a young yeah. knight. They were they were expecting him to be knighted within a couple of years of him being a, becoming a squire. He
2: He's was a big strong he, dude. Yeah, he
1: had dairy blood, uh, just uh, just uh, kind of like risen above the the fray, way if you will. As a physical specimen, but mm-hmm. um, yeah.
2: Oh, and fun—you mentioned that he's uh, Fat Walda's dad. He's also <laughs> Little <laughs> Walder's dad, who we remember back from Game of Thrones.
1: Yes, that's Little right. Walder,
2: who's actually the bigger Walder, who a little bully up in Winterfell. Uh, that's it's also his little guy. So,
1: yeah, he also has another daughter that gets mentioned, cool. Amy. Yeah, Amy. Who is also known as the winner? Amy Gatehouse. She seems <laughs> like a woman who has explored her sexuality. Anyways, she got busted with three grooms at once. <laughs> it's, uh, and uh, Merritt was forced to. Again, again this is hard getting back to your explanation that it's just. Culturally appropriate for fathers to find their soiled daughters uh, mm-hmm. decent matches, so he married her to a hedge knight who got himself killed by Gregor Clegane, and uh, to, to, she said, to again. the undoubted <laughs> delight much, much of every stable hand in the of the Twins." Every yeah. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, he's a uh, uh, yeah. He's he's had a lot of bad crap happen to him, but he has a terrible attitude about it, which makes it easier to dislike him.
0: Well, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on it, but but he's got nowhere to go. He's got no he's he's living this life where he has to try to prove he has value every day, rather than just intrinsically by being a human having some. He's got to, like, prove it to this huge family that he's got some value to him. And he doesn't. Like, he, he can't do anything, right? He doesn't have any skills. These headaches beleaguer him at all times. Like, he's just... Uh, it's worse than John and this bastard stuff. I mean, what, what can he do? I don't know how he could have a good attitude. It's, it seems like this life is just beating him down. It's one of those times where Kevorkian maybe would be a mercy.
1: <laughs> yeah, true. But he does discuss also like the politics of the phrase and how you know you can, you know, only trust your immediate siblings and even them not that far and stuff. Uh, I feel like if he was more of a, a family man, but like not a fray. Then eh, who's to say? Who's to say?
2: Yeah, doesn't help you that he's the ninth son. Yeah, and so he's got you know all the other sons before him. Along with all of their sons, too. so
1: mm-hmm. Their sons' sons. Mm-hmm. Anything else you guys want to discuss? I feel like we're already tiptoeing around
2: some spoilers. We're getting awful close, aren't we?
1: <laughs> we are. We're...
2: If we are, <laughs> our I've hand forgotten more of than Of I the shirts,
1: of the spoilers, we're very Oh, close. I was going
2: to just bring up a little point that I remembered, and maybe it's no big deal, but uh, Old Stones, where this all occurs, is where. And uh, Catelyn had one of her last recorded alone time convos with Rob. Mm-hmm. And we remember that's where they discussed where Rob revealed that he was going to make John his heir and stuff like that. And she was not pleased with the outcome, obviously. And so I found it interesting that they're at Old Stones now. And I wonder if that place kind of signifies to her a place of conflict, you know, a place of loss, stuff like that. So interesting mm-hmm. that she's back in that location.
0: And Good catch.
1: I guess we'll find out.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, um, thanks everyone for joining us. It's now time to enter the realm of book spoilers in a segment we like to call Davos After Dark. If you don't want to be spoiled for future books, please smash the device you're using to listen and join us in three weeks for a wrap-up episode of A Storm of Swords. After that, we'll be taking a short break to prepare for the next two books. That's right two books, A Feast for Crows and A Dance with Dragons, which we'll be reading in tandem in the order outlined on afeastwithdragons.com Also, if you'd like the musical character introductions throughout the cast, even the epilogue one, (laughs) know that these are original compositions written and performed by our very own Matt and you can download these plus a full length John song on wearedavosfingers.bandcamp.com or follow the link on our website poor Matt has a number of new character intros to produce for the next two books and while we don't want to pressure him we can't wait either I imagine Circe's will just be a cacophony of broken violins and sounds of torture
0: Replace, replace violin with upright bass, and you might have it.
1: <laughs> Broken drum. Okay, now it is time for Davos After Dark.
2: Davos After
1: Dark. The the
0: spoiler that we were dancing so close to. Going up the shirt on <laughs> is that what you said? Was, yeah. Is this a term? I don't know this term.
1: We had our hands But uh, we weren't we weren't quite petting in petting range. The the pet comes with uh, (laughs) really gonna take this all the way. Um, This one's Davos
2: after dark with after dark we can we can do this. We can pet the titillating stuff. We're we're graduating to heavy petting, guys.
1: Whatever chest you prefer. That's what that's what we're talking about. So yeah, I think there's a very big difference between. Scad, and I understand your frustration on this one, how they recognize Catelyn, how they decided to give her the kiss of life and and how then like she became the leader of this band
0: yeah, what the fuck man like,
1: it's, an, it's, an, it's an incredible journey that we have very little visibility on and uh, uh, there's a lot of questions, but I, I, I do like the idea of of Beric just being like, oh, finally somebody else who is more passionate about vengeance than I am. I'm just
2: gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to pass this along because <laughs> yeah. Beric has said before that he's like Dunzo, Like, yeah, he's lived long enough and he's done with this thing. Pretty so... tired
1: of life. Yeah.
2: But that's part of what but, I mean. Like, I don't know I don't... that he would have even known that he would have died from giving that kiss of life. Because mm. every time he's been kissed by Thoros, Thoros has still lived. Though mm-hmm. no, there was something inherently different in this one—a uh, some sort of symbolic passing of that life, that borrowed life that he'd been given over to Catelyn. That yeah, again, we don't understand.
0: What I, for, gonna say, I forgot that it
2: killed him actually, but <clears throat> yeah. well,
0: just in general, like they haven't been about revenge. You know, you said somebody that mm-hmm. that's more into revenge than he is. They're supposed to be about justice, yeah, and um, you know that's. I think we've seen a slow decline of that, right? But yeah, uh, this is just okay. Catelyn's calling the shots now, and instead we're gonna go look for her daughters. Now, yeah, it's.
2: I was nothing to do with the original. I... I called them cronies. The Brotherhood Without Banners have somehow become, from these justice seekers to becoming Catelyn, Stark, or Lady Stoneheart cronies. Yeah. It mm-hmm. appears. And we read, you know, when Thoros is talking about all this with, I think it's Brienne. I think it's a Brienne POV when all this gets revealed, uh, is is he's very disenchanted with the whole thing. And he's, like, not really in a leadership position anymore. And
0: Who is Thoros?
2: Yeah. He's mm. kind of not even really around. Sounds like he's still there, but not there, you know, at the same time.
0: Yeah, they've it's almost, they've become, weird switch. they, they had a, a brotherhood without banners that was, they were technically outlaws, but they had a sense of justice about them and a sense of, uh, like these duty Robin and honor Hull. about them. Now yeah. they're just hiding out because if they were found, they'd be executed. And hanging people. And yeah, I don't know. I, I'll be, I'll be interested to see what really is the end game for this group. What, what becomes yeah. of them.
2: And I'd like you said, I'd love to see the inner workings of the politicking and stuff that Catelyn taking over leadership and stuff. Was it all just because they were scared of the zombie, So they're like, follow her because she is freaky? Or what? Yeah, again,
0: I, I've admitted a few times in a row, I think on this cast now, I my memories of a feast for crows and a dance with dragons are they're fleeting before me daily. Not a
2: lot is not a lot of mention, so you haven't forgotten that stuff, there's just not a lot there.
1: Yeah, I feel like I, I vaguely remember somebody saying like, the Brotherhood has completely devolved and they're just thieves now, but I nah, can't remember. Yeah. yeah. I think Skad, this was your note, or maybe it was you, Matt. Uh, the plight of the small folk as indicated by Merritt. At some point he does does mention that uh, uh, you know, the, the land hasn't been harvested. There's definitely a winter coming, and um, he wonders if he will be one of the people who starves to death, and and guesses that he might be. Um,
0: <laughs> Did he
2: guess wrong?
1: <laughs> I
0: spared that torture.
1: You we're
2: spared from that fate, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, but I think, ooh, I think that this is a real threat to Westeros overall. Is starvation for sure like
2: mm-hmm. the,
1: the land is just gonna get just eaten down like locusts um, they've already but said also, they've
2: missed a bunch of harvests right that's yeah. mentioned in this chapter
1: but also I feel like this is an opportunity for Gurm's sort of like vague season process setup schedule to
0: rear its mis- ugly cal- undefined mi- head
1: <laughs> that's a good way of putting it um, it's just going to make way for for uh, scatterings <laughs> of starvation because it sounds like um, the Tyrells and down in there in Highgarden. Oh, yeah, they're
0: good.
1: They're the Reach. Is that the Reach? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Still pro- still producing tons of food, so they're so they're looking good. So I feel like it's, it's going to be like distribution is going to be a part of it. What I'm saying is, yeah, it's, it's going to be a big mess. And then German going to miscalculate like he, like we've seen him done in like traveling armies and supply chains for, for these massive, huge bodies moving across like uh, the Bay of Slaves and stuff. Like it's, it's just, it's not going to make a ton of sense, but we're going to have to eat it anyways, because that's what we're in it for.
2: Mm-hmm. And I've already, it's just like a foregone conclusion for me that somehow others are going to get over the wall. Uh, that's, I think that's what the Wind of Winter is going to be about, is others are going to cross over into Westeros. And if there's a bunch of dead bodies from starvation and stuff, that oh. is that is prime white material, right?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, there's still no. I
2: don't know if we know that.
1: Oh yeah, can they? They can they like go to a graveyard and just like no, bring bodies up I out of the
0: ground? I don't know if we know the rules.
1: That's a rule now. They can do it. I made the rule. We,
2: we yeah, we don't know how whites are made and stuff like that, but we know that whites are kind of serving at the behest of others in some way or something like that.
0: Right, but uh, yeah, I'm getting really technical. Like, if they come across a dead body, can they just? Oh yeah, you're a white now. Or, like, does it have to yeah. be one they killed? Is there a special killing process that they have to follow mm-hmm. through to make them a white? Those kinds of right. things.
1: Well, maybe they give them a kiss of death. Maybe it's more yeah. kissing. And
0: there's,
2: like, some sort of mm. thing going on. God. I love <laughs> making or out with some, dead things. S- something
1: worse, yeah.
2: <laughs> we know that, A, uh, a grope was it? of death. <laughs> Fuck this you dead know, guy I in could... the ass. We need another white. <laughs> they made themselves a white pretty quick. Uh, the probe of death. That's <laughs> right. I
1: don't have anything better than the probe of death.
0: The probe of
2: life.
0: Uh, what is your
1: headcanon for Stannis becoming the Knight's King?
2: I just think it would be cool. <laughs> oh, it would be cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you well, mentioned that Stannis taking the Knight Fort might be foreshadowing.
2: Yeah, we know that the Knight's King—that's where he was. That's where he was uh, bunking up. Was at the Knight's Fort. Um, the 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 way that uh, that idea originally came to me, and I think we probably discussed it clear back in our in a cock with uh um danny's oh my gosh house of the undying that's what it is it says uh she sees this is one of her visions glowing like sunset a red sword was raised in the hand of a blue-eyed king who casts no shadow and i think we probably talked about this in that episode but uh, I, I i can interpret that as perhaps being stannis with the, with his fake light bringer um blue-eyed there because he's now the knight's King. Uh, he also has blue eyes. Chat. Yes, and I think we talked about that then. That's so, good stuff. I, I just think it would be incredible for this guy who has been so bent on um, doing what's right and everything. Uh, we talked about you know Donald Noy's thing of him breaking before he bends and him breaking and becoming knight's king.
0: Yeah, the interesting thing about that is, uh, and and certainly this knight's king doesn't have to follow in the path of the previous knight's king, but in literature, it's frequently done that way. Um, mm-hmm. The previous knight's king fell in love with another, essentially. Who we assume, yeah. And everything we know about Stannis indicates that that wouldn't happen. Love, I'm nah. There's no there's no breaking or bending in that. It's like he's just disinterested, right? He's got other stuff going on. I'm not saying it can't happen. It'd be interesting for sure. I'd I'd be more interested in, oh, I don't know. I feel I feel like Stannis's I feel like Stannis's role is still somehow away from the wall. Like like Mel was wrong. He's out doing his thing in the north. I don't know. I I don't know what he's going to do. My headcanon for Stannis has always been that he's going to do something great to save the realm and die doing it.
2: Right, so mine's exactly the opposite. Well, I'll tell you this about Stannis. Do you guys think that... We know that he's bugged by this whole Azor Ahai thing that Melisandre's put on him. Yes, His teeth he are knows are he... dust. Right, he knows that he's not Azor Ahai, right? Yes. I think it's kind of awesome then that even knowing that... He's still willing to go do this. Yeah. He's still trying to save the world anyway. That's kind of what cool. I mean
0: about my headcanon. It's like he's yeah. he's gonna die trying to save the world. He's gonna
2: fail. Uh-huh. I still but... think that's cool. Yeah. And maybe he'll get to that point where he loses that hope or something. Uh-oh. And I don't know, maybe he, he falls into that whole thing of not feeling appreciated or something, you know? Yeah, like... he just shatters. <laughs> It He's made born like just like man. he did with Robert. Yeah, you know, like he did with Robert where he just became so bitter uh against him and maybe that's directed towards John or something. I don't know, but Although I would I'm... note even
0: as bitter as he ever got mm-hmm. he still sided with Robert.
2: He did. He stayed loyal.
0: Yep. Anyway, I I think the Knights so king take... has a role somehow whether it's the old one come come new that we thought was dispatched or a new one joining and grabbing the mantle. so I, I think the Night's King seems like it's too big of a theme to just disappear. It's sure. going gonna, gonna to come around somehow. And mm-hmm. Stannis would be interesting. I just narratively don't, I don't know how it fits in.
2: Welcome to a song of ice and fire, yeah. bud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. Do you have any thoughts on that, Brooke?
1: That I remember being frustrated that he's still stuck in the snow with this (laughs) starving army when we leave off in the Dance of Dragons. And, uh, yeah, just hoping that gets resolved, because it's super boring. Or not,
0: according to the pink letter, right?
2: Big roadblock.
0: The pink letter indicates that he's... Is it dead? Or captive?
2: Yes. um, But then we've got the window winner sample chapters. Yeah,
0: Right, but timing-wise... The only ones who win our sample chapters I think that mention him is the Theon one, right? Mm-hmm. But as we know with George and his timing stuff, we don't know which thing really happened first.
2: Well, we know that Mance got in there with his girls. Oh yeah. Anyways, yeah. We don't want to go down that road right now. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Anything <laughs> else
1: you guys want to talk about?
0: I can't believe it's finally happening. We're at the end. The Bloodraven. Uh, thing was interesting to me
1: oh yeah so yeah so who do you think put that raven in the kettle do you believe that sam uh, his innocent denial oh no it wasn't me
2: his pov certainly doesn't betray anything no but that's not you know that doesn't mean anything as we've discussed on this episode already well his pov
0: wasn't we didn't have his pov for that moment we had john's
2: so he could have thought of it later, After, is what? I mean. Yeah, but man. he he certainly didn't think of it beforehand. Right. Doesn't right.
1: doesn't really feel like his style. No, <laughs> no <laughs> like, it doesn't. He doesn't really have like showmanship.
2: So the next, <laughs> I also next
1: don't
0: get why uh, everybody's that surprised. He flew to the shoulder of the guy he knew best. So what?
2: Well, so these guys what is... are, These guys are pretty. I don't know. It seems like they'd be prone to. believe in that kind of stuff yeah, superstition and stuff like that they're not like the clearest thinkers and stuff like you know like you
1: yeah and I'm sure they were caught up at the moment too it's kind of a that's true it was a good move Um, popular theory seems to be that it was Maester Amon
2: which I totally don't get
1: well I don't think he personally like lifted a big heavy kettle lid
2: without anyone noticing and wrestle the raven in
1: their blind
2: <laughs> without anyone being able to see him yeah uh, like, uh amon what are you doing <laughs> he's but I like well, can you point me in the direction of the kettle please <laughs> you could have orchestrated it though but see that's in, but in an area was, his right hand. sorry what In the mess hall, I would imagine, I don't know for sure, seems like it would be a pretty common area where you've got people coming and going a lot.
1: Yes, which supports the theory that the lid was off the kettle at some point, and then this raven is actually blood raven, hopped into the kettle, I guess like hit in the curve of it, and then someone (laughs) put someone
2: put the lid on he's black Which, right people yeah. probably aren't inspecting the inside oh, yeah. sure they yeah. up.
1: So. it's gonna get cooked later who knows The well, lid goes back on <laughs> and then he waits for the right moment to to uh, a shoulder
2: yeah.
1: yeah and then other people say that maester aemon was still involved because blood raven horse, yeah uh, scored him up to the wall they've been in communication ever since and buddies and so yeah they're buddies and so maybe they
2: uh hatch the whole team, yeah, yeah. like team john theory yeah Team theory man i yeah. i do think that blood raven is i don't want to say obviously because i don't want to sound that pretentious but i think it's pretty clear to me anyways that blood raven is like warging warmont's raven um oh, and i know warging's not a verb you people uh it's but, not yeah, I don't I don't know how much involvement he had in that little decision. Was he just like let's really F with the Night's Watch people and just do this.
1: Um another theory is that it was Dolores said, so yeah. Just trying to get out of being voted in.
2: <laughs> I like that one. Yes. That's I that's my, that's my theory. theory. Okay, I'm with you, buddy. <clears throat>
0: <laughs> I buy the or blood red. one. We I mean, we know he's got control of many things mm-hmm. great and small if if he in fact knows the truth Team John yes. etc
2: mm-hmm. yeah because one side of it is why would he you know he's got so much on his plate already why would he even deal with you know this affair of choosing the next Lord Commander but trying to get Lord John Snow in his Lord Commander yeah you can see the reasoning why that would be a priority for him anything else hmm Hmm. I did like the uh, I think we all might have mentioned the foreshadowing of Sansa rebuilding Winterfell I don't know if there's anything there hinting at the future
0: it'd be a cool little uh, yeah cool little foreshadowing
2: it says when she goes outside I notice this that the colors are whites and blacks and grays which are stark colors they're also just winter colors in general so that could have just been I'm just reading into it too much she thinks it's a pure world I do not belong here but then she's able to just rebuild Winterfell so effortlessly and with so much detail and stuff. It
1: was a cool And with moment. Littlefinger's help. Yeah. Arguably, his essential help.
2: He comes so, in yeah. and helps her iron out the details. Yeah. Yeah, it could be foreshadowing, things... but if
1: it is, it's very on the nose. Totally. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So you guys want to pack this up?
2: Yeah. Pack it up. Pack okay. it in let me begin I came to win battle meat that's a sin nice. finish it off good nice. job guys great job
1: that's actually my sign off <laughs> good night
2: <laughs> <laughs> my sign off changed uh, is it really yeah are you kicking it over to me yeah <laughs> okay because my sign off changed real quick too uh, I just saw on the interwebs that our our buddy Brendan B. Fish uh, has a new little baby
1: Aww. so congrats to
2: the man Way um, to go.
1: Nice.
2: We're, we're going to start seeing Beefish's writing productivity drop significantly. Too bad for all of us, but happy for him and his wife and a new little family. So, congrats, buddy.
1: Yeah, congrats. way to
2: go. And uh, my sign off is just thanks.
0: Thanks to everybody for sticking with us through three books. We've got, uh, well, hopefully four more. Gonna <laughs> <have> be <been> here <laughs> doing this for uh, a long time. So thanks excited. thanks for Holy sticking with crap. us. Holy
2: crap. Holy mm-hmm. <laughs> crap. Love you guys. Love you too.
0: Good night. Good Bye. night. So man, I am a oh. with you, and you me so many things about myself And you know this is true Uh oh Whoa Did you guys hear that? Brooke, yeah. you hear it? Yeah, it's me
1: checking my email I don't hear it, but I assume that's what it is
0: I wish me checking my email made a sound Yeah
1: Top 5 dead Starks Ned, John. Rob, Catlin, Leanna. <coughs> um,
0: oh, there maybe spoil, there may be spoilers in that list. <laughs>
2: um, oh, crap.
1: Spoiler. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that one just made the outtakes. Jon Snow's not dead.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. He's not yet.
2: Shit. Brooke.
0: <laughs> we can't uh, take Rickard. you anywhere.
2: <laughs>
1: I know. I don't know why I improvise anything. I don't know why I do this podcast. It's just
0: such a train wreck. No, okay. it's
2: not. People love it.
0: <laughs> I'll edit it out. And I love you. I'll give you guys some feedback after the show.
2: Hey, True Believers. Thanks for joining us for episode 49. Songs that we use this episode. We used the song called uh, Not The One. That's by Collective Soul off their album Dosage. My favorite album of theirs. One of those that you can listen to start to finish and not skip a single song. It's a goodie. The uh, other song that we stuck at the end was called "Better Man" by the John Butler Trio. It's from their album called Three. We didn't actually bring the song up at all during the podcast, but uh, it came to mind as I was reading about how Gilly makes Sam a braver man, and so uh, this is this, that one's for Gilly from Sam. And then, not a song, but the bit, the comedy bit of Jim Jeffries that we took is from his latest show uh, called freedom. That's free D U M B. It's on Netflix here in the U.S. I S. I don't know about other places, but, uh, it's, it's pretty funny. It's pretty foul, but it's also pretty funny. So check it out. If you want, thanks guys. And join us for our big wrap up episode next week. Take care. See ya. Mm-hmm.